With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Rolling on with the uh, breaking news of yesterday and now more today. Patriots and Bill Belichick parting ways after 24 seasons. Nick Saban stepping aside yesterday, informing his team that he will retire at 72 after 17 incredible years in Tuscaloosa. In between all that, Pete Carroll out in Seattle announcing that he has essentially been forced out. He wanted to keep coaching, but uh, ended up agreeing with ownership that uh, becoming an advisor of some combined is better for the big picture. So we'll see where that goes. Also, uh, I don't know if you saw it right out of college basketball last night, Central Florida beat Kansas in Big 12 play. Yeah. How about this? One, two, three, five have all lost this week in college basketball. Welcome to the road in college football and college basketball. Hmm. On the road, Longhorns will play at West Virginia on Saturday. Yeah, uh, Houston, Purdue, Kansas, all up Arizona, all upset. It's unbelievable. Uh, It's a a gauntlet in the uh, and the Big Twelve. Central Florida is a new newbie. Yeah, Big Twelve. And how about that for them? No nights off. I think that's their first Big Twelve home game. Ever as a member of the Big 12, and they beat Kansas. Rock chalk. Yeah, man. It, it, it ain't just a song that the Brett Yarmark made. No nights off. No nights off. Uh, by the way, I was looking at more of these pictures of Jake Browning's uh, girlfriend in the full body suit, Rod. It's a lot of yeah. So There's a lot of body there, but uh, I, I don't even know if I want to ask this. How did she go? How did she use the restroom? Eventually, she's gonna have to go go relieve herself. That's why they go with friends. That's why they go in groups. She's got to take the whole thing off. That's why, right? Yeah, that's why women go in groups. <laughs> you might need some help with some of those outfits. It's like, all right. Someone's got to unzip that. Mm-hmm. Need your help, girl. All right. Little bone. That's, that's, easy, that's easy peasy. That's there's a, a picture of her in the parking lot with the uh, the, you know, the lady who designed the cat suit. Yeah, because I'm assuming it, it, it's on, in the, on the back is where the opening or zipper, zipper would be. Is. Yeah, yeah, or whatever. Because you don't see anything in the front, but Ooh. it's just. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it looks like she's wearing latex pretty much. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like painted on her. It is. It's, I mean, it looks great. She it, looks it fits. But, yeah, man, you're going to need some help in that thing. Getting in and out of it, it's going to take a while. Yeah. And, and I can see why it would be popular with, with, with the ladies but uh, who want one. But, yeah, as we said, let's, let's, you know, can't everybody have one. Just as long as you got the body, as long as you're willing to work for the body, as long as you're willing to put some work in. But don't be lazy with an outfit like that. That's not good. Don't be doing that. Doesn't hide much. Mm-mm, but it doesn't reveal much either. It's kind of nice. Uh, I, well, I can, my, imagine, reveal. My, my imagination can do the rest. I'm good. My imagination can, trust me, it can fill in the blanks. Yes. <laughs> Whatever that, so, that suit does not reveal my imagination. My imagination and I would say this, Jake Browning, that does not scream backup quarterback. That seems starting, that screams starting quarterback material. I want to, the truth is, I mean, they, oh, oh, there's lots of hot, hot, the girlfriends, wags, they oh, call them yeah, wags and girlfriends. Oh, Even the third-string quarterback, trust me, he's, he's got a nice one. <laughs> it's, it's the NFL. 
You can be the kicker. The kickers and the punters, dude. The long snappers in the NFL. Brandon Aubrey. The long snappers. You're are, not going to tell me Kaimi Fairbairn. Oh, I'm telling rolling you. Rolling with a hot lady. Go look at that long snappers woman. You're going to be like, damn. <laughs> because the ladies, this, these ladies, trust me, as a guy who used to use as a pickup line, they don't necessarily ask your position when you tell them you play in the league. They don't ask position. They'll go, oh, what position did you play? What were your stats last year? Did you make? Did you score any touchdowns? They don't ask that. They don't. All they know is you play in the league. You play in the league? Play in the league. Done. You hear the story. They, they might Google you to see if you actually you play in the league, but if, you, if, it, if your Google confirms you play in the league, done. That's all you need to know. They don't want to know your position. They don't care about your stats. They don't care if you're first string, second string, or third string. They really don't care. All they know is NFL, that's a really good job. He must have a great body, too, unless he's a big lineman or something. But if not, yeah, he's still, in shape, they great might like athlete. That, oh, man, he'll get tickets to the games. So that is a pickup line. Trust me, I use it a lot. It, it works. And they, do, they don't ask a lot of questions after that about your career and about your standing with the team and status. They didn't oh, know Robbie was going to get cut in two weeks. They don't care about that. <laughs> they don't know. Look it up. Be like, man, you know what? They're thinking about they just drafted a quarterback, right? I mean, you might get cut tomorrow. They're not looking at that. All they no, know is no, no. this guy's an NFL player. So trust me, long snapper, deep snapper, in short, smoking hot babes. They don't, they don't know. They don't know football enough to know the positions. Yeah, in they, don't case, yeah they don't care. <laughs> they don't care. I, I will either confirm or deny. Before I was married, way back that I uh, uh, told some ladies I was a minor league baseball player. Exactly. That's <laughs> <laughs> some. That's some night spots. Oh my, I play for the minor league exactly. baseball. Exactly. Did they research it? No. Probably not. Oh, what team? Huh? Exactly. I knew them all. I knew and all the minor and league. And there's no Google back then. So you. Oh man. It's way back. It's way back. I would also say that. Uh, uh, did you see here the Aaron, you know Aaron Gordon, who plays basketball for the Nuggets, the defending champions in yes, the NBA? Sir. He told a story recently on a podcast that he was out on a date, first date with a lady, and, you know, kind of liked her. And then he looked and he was able to, like, saw her screen, her phone on her screen. The, the, like, on her history, was it said, Aaron Gordon's net worth. <laughs> What's something she had looked up? <laughs> exactly. It was like, okay, let me look this up. What are you looking that up for? Yeah, you know, hey, I ain't saying she a gold digger. But then he said, you know, I kind of, you know, I'm out. Yeah, hey, I get it. That's what, but you got to know that as a as a player. But trust me, those those guys in the NFL, professional athletes, period, they have no problem picking up. Oh, trust me, well, because, women, because, significant. Because, because the reason I knew about the Aaron Gordon thing, I was watching it was either a TikTok video or one of these videos you get. And it was Richard Jefferson then commenting on the Aaron Gordon story and oh, said, yeah. "Listen, man, you guys don't know when people like when when NBA teams finish up a game and they got to go on, they're getting under their plane, right? Their oh. their their team plane. It's like they're rock stars. And then they fly to a new city. A lot of times they'll do it after the game, mm -hmm. so they they're in the city they're gonna they need to be Already. in the next day. Yep, just hanging out, got some free time. And he tells the story that when he was playing that you would show up and it'd be like after midnight." And you'd start getting hit up by these promoters who say, hey, man, club's still open if y'all are coming. Club, we got the, we'll stay open until 3. We will announce your presence, <laughs> and all the ladies will flock to you. Bottle service, by the way, we'll bring the bottles to you. The bottles have like these little yeah, The spark Timberwolves are coming. Yeah. They have sparklers on it in the bottles. And all the ladies, you can see them in the club. You're ever like in the, in the second story of the club, and when they come through the, with, with, the, with the bottle service and the sparklers and everything, the ladies start, like, following the bottles. <laughs> they start, like, flocking. You can see them, like, flocking. Where is this bottle going? Ooh, somebody big time. Somebody famous. Who is that? But Boom! It's too easy. It's too easy, man. Dang, man. Trust me. That's, Never, that's yeah. why. Here's me trying to, you know, fake oh, yeah. being a minor league yeah, baseball yeah, player. Yeah, y'all gotta, you gotta work. Working. If you're Gen Pop, dude, you gotta work hard, man. Hard. Pro athletes, it's that is one of the best pickup lines you can throw out there. Is I play for this team. <laughs> and you ain't even got to have a game. You can walk up there first, and she's not even interested. At first, you can tell she got an attitude. Like, I ain't interested in this dude. He's not even that cute. And he's going to be, how y'all doing? Because what's, what's one of the first three questions a woman will ask you, whether she likes you or not? 
What do you do? What do you do? So we're in the first three questions. You already know. Yeah, once you get past the name, you're like, so what do you do? Uh, I play for the Lions. You play for the Lions? Girl, he played for the Lions. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Done. My, I no longer have to have a personality after that. Done. See? Yeah, and the guy in the crowd goes, oh, they're no good. They're terrible. <laughs> yeah, the guy sucks. He's, he's third string. He's on practice squad. She the don't Tigers or the Lions? Are you kidding me? <laughs> she don't uh, care. Oh, man. This says the guy's a female listener, number one, with this message. says hidden zippers are an important part of fashion. Oh. Y'all don't even know. Oh, so that zipper could be anywhere. I just It's hidden it's from like a trap door or something. Oh, like okay. That. Oh, yeah, you're right. I just wanted a house with like zip, zip. You know, secret passages and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I like that. Well, but, I wanted to, I want a cat suit with secret passages like that too. That's nice. I like that. Mm-hmm. It says uh, my son is a young aspiring pro golfer. Some of his buddies have PGA cards uh, that carries weight at the bar. Well done. Great. Oh yeah, I got oh, NFL cards. You got one. You got one. Oh yeah. Trust me. Every now and then you want to break that out when you're paying for the drinks. Like oh let me. Oh sorry, it's my my NFL players. Is that NFL shield? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean anyway. Uh, yeah, moving on. Yeah, yeah but, you can do that. By the way, the NBA carries more weight because those contracts are guaranteed, Rod B. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the ladies know that too. They for somehow they know guaranteed money. It's like oh, he's, it's guaranteed. They know that for somehow. And the guys are tall. That's an NBA player. They 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 win out every time because yeah, they're tall. tall baseball guys, it's tough because you can be around a baseball player guaranteed eight eighty million dollar contract and I didn't really know it because they look more like the gen pop. Football yeah. players are a little bigger, a little swoller. Basketball players are really tall. Hell, baseball players, you may never know. You walk past the yeah. best player in the game. Go right past right? Jose Altuve at yeah. the H-E-B. You wouldn't even know. <laughs> you wouldn't know it. Go <laughs> right past him. Soccer's kind of like that, too. The soccer guy, he's like, walk yeah. past that guy. He's like, That's oh, right. I didn't That's know right. that. So, That's right. It's a little different. All right. Uh, good stuff right there. We'll uh, take your thoughts. Text line is open at 512-447-3776 as we get this thing rolling. And we certainly are. And there's a lot happening. It's, uh, as we say, head on a swivel Thursday. As we started the show talking about the uh, – the bombshell from Tuscaloosa yesterday with Nick Saban announcing his retirement on the heels of Pete Carroll, uh, stepping aside in, in uh, Seahawk uh, in Seattle. And then this morning, the, uh, the news we've been waiting on with Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick uh, is out in New England. He and Robert Kraft, after a week of meetings, have mutually agreed to part ways after six Super Bowl wins, uh, 17 division titles, wow. 11 consecutive division titles from 09 to 19. And uh, the, the, the big news on that, Rod, is it there? He has a year left on his contract, but he can go free and clear. Uh, Robert Kraft is not going to demand compensation if he wants to continue to coach somewhere else. And we kind of felt like, let's give Robert Kraft some credit on this. He was going to do this right. Uh, whatever we think of Bill Belichick currently, the, the gener- revenue generated for that, that organization, the winning for that organization oh, yeah. has been unmatched, and it's probably the right thing to do because Robert Kraft, I think, wants to move on too. I mean, Robert Kraft doesn't want to get into a feud with his legendary coach. If He wants to still coach, but Robert Kraft wants a new coach. Mm-hmm. Then you just say, you know what? That's mutual. That's mutually beneficial for both of us to start anew, fresh break. Let's do this. And so, uh, as of today, uh, there's a news conference set for about uh, an hour and 50 minutes from now, 11 o'clock hour time, noon on the East Coast. It's going to be a joint news conference with Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick to address the situation. And uh, we'll hear from both now. And obviously, now Robert Kraft has to go out and hire a new coach, and Bill Belichick. There are seven vacancies outside New England, and well, they'll they'll be interest. Oh, no question. Especially now that you don't have to trade for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, you definitely that might change trade less, change the equation for some teams. Yeah, less baggage you have to worry about if you want to bring in Belichick. I I, I can't wait to see what teams are going to interview him. I mean, I really can't wait to see what teams are actually going to interview for uh, interview Bill Belichick. And I wonder if some teams 
who you know weren't thinking about making the coaching change might think about it now with some of these names available like a Mike Rabel and like a Bill Belichick are thinking now maybe uh, it would be in our best interest to make a coaching change. And we can Ooh. bring in a coach like that. So I wonder if that's another domino that's going to drop. Because we've had a couple of surprises. I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't expect the, the the Pete Carroll move. But, you know, considering what they've done, they haven't, what, advanced past the wild card round in what, five years, five, six years in the playoffs. Yeah, it's been a while. Be, yeah, because even it, the last few years with uh, Russell Wilson were not great. They were not great. You and, know. you know, you've been past. I mean, the Rams won a Super Bowl. The, the 49ers have been great. Uh, so, yes, I mean, it, you know, the Pete Carroll thing is interesting. But that's a good young team. And that's why I think – you know, ownership and John Schneider, their general manager, stood on the idea of, you know, let's let's start new. We got a good young team. We want the next coach to be here for a while. Because yeah. whatever his age is now, however spry Pete Carroll is, he's 72. He's still 72. I mean, yeah. you're, you're looking for the future now, and he's done a great job of stewarding this organization from 2010 until now. So, you know, 14, 13 seasons. Uh, one Super Bowl should have been two. Um, came at the expense of – Malcolm Butler and the Patriots, but uh, you know, either way, I, I, it really is interesting. Of who, I, you know, I, I assume Arthur Blank in Atlanta will be interested in Bill Belichick. I do. I he think, should be because, as I said, I don't think all the tea leaves. And we heard from Arthur Blank when he fired Arthur Smith. You know, they're not. He's not looking to go out and, uh, and I don't think hire a hot name coordinator. His fan base wants a splash here at this point. I yeah. think, and I think he wants an established coach. Um, that, that can come in and really change the temperature of that organization. Belichick would certainly do that. And there's a lot of good young talent in uh, oh, tons of talent. In Atlanta. But it's mostly on the offensive side of the ball, right? The O-line's really good. Well, they did invest a lot in free agency last year, and they were improved defensively this year. They were year. improved defensively. Their biggest problem was coaching and, and quarterback. quarterback. And, but do you trust Belichick? No, that's the question. With the, with the quarterback situation and, 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 and hiring an offensive coordinator with what he did late in his tenure there with New England, right? We still – I love Belichick, and he's, he's the GOAT, but, man, that, that Matt Patricia, Joe Judge uh, situation where he had them coordinating the offense for that year with Mac Jones, that thing was a disaster. I mean, yeah, that I just, don't. It was a, and so I, if you're a GM, you better have offensive coordinators already in mind and no offensive coordinators that are willing to work with Belichick. And I would – I don't know. I would probably choose the quarterback, and I wouldn't allow Belichick to do it. With his, you know, as an advisor, he can advise on it. But if you're the GM, you got to make sure you hit on quarterback and hit on OC well, if you're going to bring in Belichick. And you also look. The one thing you also know about uh, Bill Belichick is he, he's an historian of the game. Uh, uh, you know, the history of football. I mean, he grew up with it with his father. Um, you know, he's got the military background, but history is is huge to him. He knows the history of the Washington franchise, and Washington's available, and they've got a new owner That's true. who's you know looking to make a splash too. They have the second pick in the draft, the Washington Commanders. Um, he knows the history of Vince Lombardi and uh, you know that you know the Joe Gibbs era. So that would be interesting to me. Um, as I said earlier with Seattle, I, you know I, I I hadn't thought about it until this morning, but Jim Harbaugh makes a lot of sense in Seattle. You know when I'm thinking of where Jim Harbaugh is going to go if the Bears Good aren't point. going after him, the Chargers are the name you keep hearing. Uh, the Vegas Raiders with the connection to Tom Brady, but now all of a sudden Seattle's available. Speaking of good young teams who are looking for a, you know, someone to push them forward, gosh, I mean, you, that, that seems like a really good – now there would be irony there because when Pete Carroll and Jim Harbaugh were going head-to-head in the NFC West for so many years, Rivals, baby. You know, they, were, they, were, they hated each other. Well, I mean, there goes was, back to his time in the pack. Even 12. The, yeah, Pac-12. Yeah. <laughs> you're right about that with Stanford and uh, USC. Yeah, yeah, there's no love lost between Pete Carroll and uh, Jim Harbaugh. Wouldn't that be some? I don't think at that point that Jim Harbaugh, or excuse me, Pete Carroll would stay on as an advisor. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Um, no. And I'm sure Jim Harbaugh would love to stick it to the 49ers, considering the way that ended. 
Uh, that'd be great. That so I I never thought about that, but you're right. And they got a lot of good young talent, and they got a good GM, and seems like good ownership as well. Yeah, John Schneider's one of the best. I mean, they, pretty shrewd the way he's drafted. Heck, he drafted Russell Wilson when no one thought he was going to be good. He turned into yeah. a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He's done it. Yeah, he's um, done his job as a GM. John, he does, and you know, hits on draft picks, uh, rebuilt through the Russell Wilson thing, and now they're poised if they can find the right quarterback to um, you know to to make another big step. And obviously, as you said. In that division, you're always going to be going head-to-head with Sean McVay as long as he's there and Kyle Shanahan with the, the 49ers. Those are two of the best in the business. Yeah, if you're going to bring in Jim Harbaugh, you got to make sure you bring in a good defensive coordinator. And I'm assuming he'll just bring Jesse Minter in. Yes. With him who is a NFL guy because he was at, there with the Ravens as an assistant coach. Uh, he followed Mike McDonald, who is now with the Ravens as their D.C. He was the D.C. with the Michigan Wolverines, uh, and he was an NFL guy. So at least you have a, a guy with NFL ties with an NFL system that can combat and match up against Shanahan and Sean McVay. Can I paint a cool storyline with, uh, <laughs> with this? If Jim Harbaugh were to land Seattle, whoever lands Seattle, what, maybe because we immediately thought Dan Quinn. Uh, maybe it is Dan Quinn, yeah, right? The Cowboys sense. defensive coordinator. He was the defensive coordinator of the Legion of Boom when they were winning Super Bowls there uh, and playing in Super Bowls. Uh, and there, you know, there's an affinity there with Pete Carroll and, and Dan Quinn. And Dan Quinn knows that Shanahan McVay offense as a defensive coordinator. You got to match wits with that. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks have the 16th pick in the draft. That's right about where I, you might see Michael Penix go off the board, Ron. Mm-hmm. How about Michael Penix drafted by the Seahawks in yeah, Washington? Washington. Uh, where they need a quarterback. Ooh, that would uh, be good. Wouldn't that be good? They just signed Geno Smith, so he doesn't have to play immediately, but that'd he is already good. 23 years old. He's already old enough, but still, that'd be great. Wouldn't if that be he, a good spot for him? If he, if he falls there, they, probably, they might have to move up to get him a little bit because I think you'll have quarterbacks taken early. Take top five picks, they're all taking QBs. They probably are. Or not all of them, but most of them be taking And QBs. John Schneider, the GM, might be willing if, they're, if it's a quarterback because they've – the last couple of years, because of the capital they received in the Russell Wilson trade, they've, they they've hit, yeah. and they've got a lot of young talent. They need a quarterback. They need a quarterback and a coach. Uh, that's really now, what they need. if Chicago does them a favor and and doesn't draft a quarterback Ooh, and trades out of that another pick, one down. Yeah. Because there are some that are saying that what they saw from Michael Penix on Monday night, you know, we were talking about him in the top five, maybe not top five, maybe slides, but uh, we'll see. That That's a storyline because Seattle I think he needs should be the fourth quarterback taken. I think ultimately – you don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. It's Caleb Williams. It's Drake May. Jaden Daniels is probably above him in a lot of people's uh, draft evaluations. And then I will slide Penix in there. I don't. I don't that's have Penix. That, I, don't, that, I don't have Bo Nix ahead of Penix. I don't. I have, don't either. I don't either. Yeah. I, I have Penix at four. Look, that's been a really popular conversation of, of this week of Jaden Daniels kind of becoming that third quarterback after the top two because of the Lamar Jackson comparison. Yeah, exactly. He, he can run. He can that, run. That he's yeah. got the Lamar Jackson. Comp. I do that. And he's probably, at this point of his career, a better, better thrower than Lamar Jackson was coming out. Uh, he can really throw the deep ball, uh, really accurate with the deep ball. You know, he's had 2,000-yard receivers. Malik Neighbors was awesome in that Brian Kelly offense. And, you know, Brian Kelly runs a kind of an NFL system. I yeah, mean, it's, it, it's a system that is translatable yeah. to the NFL. So, Jaden Daniels, um, but, yeah, Penix to watch. That would just be a cool NFL story. That would line. be. My only, I guess – Hesitation on jumping on that would be I don't know if he lasts a 16. I think they might have to go up and get him. Yeah, you're right. I think he might be in top 12 picks. Well, this is team. all you know, headline news when this starts breaking because it's you know them leaving because the Carroll thing not a huge surprise. We, we kind of dissipated when at the end of, at his you know Monday yeah. press conference Carroll said I'm going to be here. I love these guys. I'm ready to keep doing this. And you know by Wednesday it, the owners let him made it clear that no 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 we're going to yeah, go go a different, different direction. direction. <laughs> and so Pete Carroll. 
you know, jumps. But so he wasn't, you know, he was fired essentially, told to leave. That's being fired. Um, you know, the Belichick news, not surprising. I mean, the Saban one is the biggest of the surprises, obviously. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, that, that's the one that, ooh. Uh, but even that was not shocking. Yeah, I would say Paul Feinbaum, you brought that up, that he mentioned it uh, like a week ago, that he, in his opinion, not in, not you sourced in, in information, but he thought if Nick Saban wins it all or if the situation is right, that he may retire. And obviously Nick Saban was thinking about it, but there are reports that he was interviewing assistants <laughs> um, as recently as yesterday interviewing assistants, and I think that's just being a task-oriented uh, person. You know, when, when you're on task, you're on task until you're not. Uh, Nick Saban's the head coach of Alabama until he wasn't, and I think when he was, he made that decision, he probably told Alabama. I'm sure that he hinted uh, that he was going to, you know, be thinking about that decision throughout the season, and there's no way he blindsided Alabama with this news. So I'm sure they got, I don't know what the timeline was, but I'm sure they got advance notice so that they could make the necessary, you know, make the necessary arrangements or and or reach out to necessary people, agents mostly, to try to put feelers out there for who's interested. And you don't make an offer to a coach until you find out they're interested. I mean, it's just the way it goes. Like, you could call the agent, hey, are they interested in the job? Agent says, yeah. Or agent says, nah, man, my guy's good. After they talk to their client. That's when the offer comes. And that's when the offer comes. Like, oh, no, he's interested. What's the offer? Um, and sometimes agents don't just speak for the client and go, yeah, he might be interested, but to know what the offer is. I need, I need the offer. Give me the neighborhood of the offer right now. Um, I, but, but I believe that Sark was – or not Sark, his agent probably was contacted. Um, just my theory, no sources. And I believe Sark turned it down. I believe that uh, Sark declined the offer because Sark is happy what he's built here. Texas is ahead of schedule already. And although Joe Clad has pointed out that Sark it could have been given almost a coach in waiting situation there with Alabama, I think Sark wanted to build his own program. He wanted to have his own legacy, and he wanted to start with him at a with a new opportunity, not building on the shoulders of what Saban already built. Not saying he would have done great. I think he would have been okay there, but it means something different to construct. Think about what they got: Barry Switzer. Pete Carroll and Jimmy Johnson are the only coaches to win a college football national title and a Super Bowl. Nobody wants to give Barry Switzer credit for it. Why? Because it was on the shoulders of what Jimmy Johnson did. <laughs> right? And Jimmy Johnson built it. Pete Carroll built it. So we give them a lot more respect and credit. And I think that's what Sark wants. He wants to be known as a coach that built it. Yeah. They just ride the shoulders. Just riding. Yeah, that's right. And look, I mean, here, here's just my opinion uh, for folks. When you, I understand Texas fans concerned about Steve Sarkeesian, but even the, the Vegas odds have him way down, right? He's down at 35 to 1. Like it's, he's on the list, but it's you know, 10 or 15 down as far as candidates go. Because I believe this, to your point, 100%. Nick Saban, the, the powers that be at Alabama knew about this retirement, I don't know when, last yeah. week. Uh, maybe coming back yeah. from Pasadena. Agreed. Um, the timing had to be right. I believe if Steve Sarkeesian was willing to take the job, that it would have been – remember when Tom Herman was fired and Sark was hired on the same day yeah. here in Austin? Uh -huh. That Tom Herman was brought in and told, you're out. You won the bowl game and you're out. Yep. And Steve Sarkeesian was announced his hiring the same day. Yep. Uh, I, I think you would have had a very similar thing here where Alabama would have said, you know, Nick Saban's retiring, and then by end of day, Steve Sarkeesian's been named the new head coach. Because, again, you know, every, every player on that roster now has 30 days in the portal. Every player. So it's a mad scramble to get the coach in place to prevent the roster from being poached. Because the one, number one thing you have to sell at Alabama right now is talent. 
this team's ready to win, y'all. We were, you know, we got a young quarterback in Jalen Milrow who's planning to come back. We need somebody to come in here and take it to the next level. That's the sell to a Dan Landing or even a Sark. Yep. So I believe that with the tight ties between Sark and Saban, if, if indeed you, I don't have any reason to doubt you that there, or even Joel Klatt, that there was an opportunity to be coaching waiting before he came to Texas, that he would have already been contacted and already had his, his agent would have been contacted yep. and say, you know what, I'm happy where I'm at. That's why, because that's how I think that would have played out. But, it, you know, we'll never know. I'd also say that's why they want to move fast. You had the story from 24-7 Sports that they want a new coach in place in the next 40, 72 hours, uh, and that's going to take some work because you got a $20 million buyout at Oregon with Dan Lanning. Uh, there, there's, there are hurdles to climb, but uh, we'll see. Somebody texted and said, uh, guys, C.J. Stroud struggled with Michigan in college too. He's doing fine. That was to the Michael Penix conversation. No, oh, I, Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. As we, we know. I don't want to overreact to it either. You're right. No, you don't. Now, the, the biggest red flag on Michael <laughs> Penix we know is going to be the injury history. That's the, the injury – because, I mean, they do the medicals, right? They're going to bring that oh, guy yeah. in there, and they're going to – I mean, he's had surgeries, he's had shoulders, he's had knees. He, he's going to have an injury red flag. Yeah. You just do. Multiple ones. Yes, and that's, that's what the process is about. And that – but I don't have any issue with Michael Penix. Leadership, dog, accuracy, deep ball. And it, as we know, and to, 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 the te- to the texture's point, which is point on, that C.J. Stroud did struggle with Michigan. But now we, we've seen Michigan with, with Jesse Minter. This is an NFL defense. Yep. They're running NFL concepts. Yes, they are. They're doing things you don't see in college yeah. football. And Penix had not been exposed to either. That's why they were the number one defense in the country. And even Penix was like, wow, I don't, I'm seeing ghosts out here. That's why all of a sudden doesn't near, look nearly as accurate as he did. But even C.J. Stroud has gone to the NFL now. and. Yeah, he's flourishing. Uh, Michael Penix. Agreed. We'll see where that goes. Somebody said, guys, re- uh, commanders, racial slurs are in the works for Harbaugh, <laughs> according to Gus in the Bronx, close to his brother. So his parents can relocate, see both their sons coach also in different conferences. Don't have to coach each other unless they're in the Super Bowl. Yeah, Washington can get a quarterback and they draft really high Two. Uh, yeah, so they can get their QB. How about that? And they, they, how about Gus in the Bronx thinking outside the box? Got some decent lines of scrimmage because, you know, Ron Rivera, who's a, a D-line guy, he's going to build the lines of scrimmage up a little bit. So lines of scrimmage uh, are decent. Um, I think that wide receiving core, i got to go look and see what they sound like. Wide receiving core actually is pretty good. Yeah, you've got, uh, you know, uh, McLaren, Terry, Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin and, and, and Curtis uh, <laughs> Samuels, a couple of Ohio yeah. State guys. Um, you know, that's that would be – Got a good backup. Can I just out? say to, to Gus in the Bronx and why I appreciate him thinking like that, because that wouldn't – because the, the hardballs are weird. That wouldn't – not I mean, not weird. They're different. They're eccentric. That, wouldn't, that would make sense <laughs> that they want to coach near each other. Because one's in Baltimore, one would be in Washington. I mean, they're an hour apart, 45 minutes train apart. Train ride, baby. Train ride. Yep. <laughs> and mom and dad and grandpa and grandma can come and – Jump on the train, go right back and forth. Go back and forth. Yep. <laughs> and they don't have to play each other. Nope. Every four years or so, they'd play a regular season game, and they'd only meet in the Super Bowl. I kind of like that. I do like that's, that. That's good thinking, Gus. It's not bad. And they're a brand new owner. They're going to pay big money for their next coach. You know the owner's willing to spend. Not yeah. only spend on the coach, but willing to spend to bring the the roster back. Yeah. And you got the second pick in the draft. So you have your quarterback ready yeah. to go. You'll have your – yeah. That's, I, I don't, I'm not I'm – And then not, you can draft a bunch of your Michigan guys. I'm not opposed <laughs> to that. Well, he will, he will have a definite advantage in scouting – uh, draft prospects, you know, his first two years. Jimmy Johnson admitted that, too. He was like, our 100%. first two years I cleaned up and got a lot of talent in late rounds because I knew all the players intimately and personally. I had coached against them, so I had scouted all the best players in college football. And when I was recruiting, I knew parents. I knew, you know, evaluations from high school coaches because I was recruiting the best already, players. Yeah. I knew all this stuff. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> all right, good stuff. I appreciate that, Gus. It says Twitter is saying Lanning is already in Tuscaloosa for an interview. Now okay. there, yeah, that was. Okay, so that comes from – there was an anchor in uh, Tuscaloosa that 
at Cave, sorry, in Eugene. There was a Eugene news anchor, Brandon Cameraman, who said Oregon head coach Dan Lanning was currently in Tuscaloosa. That's where they came from, KVAL. Um, and they said that was hours after Nick Saban retired. He's the one that said, quote, I previously worked in Alabama, in Tuscaloosa. I do have some sources there who did confirm that Lanning is in Tuscaloosa. You said this earlier. Right. There was some other reports that re- refuted that or disputed that. We don't know. This is crazy season right now. This is, there are lots of rumors going on all but, over the place. But that would – I mean, I'm not you know, saying that that's absolutely verified. I'm saying that uh, – But that's where it came from. Their, their, their timeline would line up with, hey, if, we're, if Lanning's interested, get him over here. Let's talk. Let's 72 get, hours. Yeah. We, we're getting this thing done this in done. 72 hours. And Lanning was the Georgia defensive coordinator before going to Oregon. If, Oregon. if he left Oregon, as you said earlier, that would be a problem because that, Oregon would now really be seen as a stepping stone job. You had multiple coaches that have done before it. Before in a row. I mean, before straight. With If Lanning does it, you had Mario Cristobal. You had Willie Taggart. You had yeah, Chip Willie Kelly. Yeah, was, yes. Yeah, you had Chip Kelly. Uh, who built it and bolted? Uh, that that's a that's a problem because Dan Lanning is a t- great young coach or potentially a great young coach. Kalen DeBoer also a name to watch. The one thing that you would say about Kalen DeBoer is uh, he's a winner, but you've never seen him without Michael Penix at the highest level. Um, he won at Sioux Falls. Uh, yeah. He won at the lower levels. I will say that the thing that worries me about yeah the one thing we worries me about Kalen DeBoer is he's done more with less, and it's weird. Some coaches they almost get in a um, in a, a methodical funk. Being able to do more with less. Tom Herman was one of these guys, right? He was then, you, a, then you get around a like bunch of elite athletes. It's a different yeah, thing. Yeah, and it, doing more with more is tougher sometimes than doing more with less for these guys, if that's, if that's the best that's way to describe it. You know what I mean? And he's one of those guys. He's a more with less guy. Like, right. think about it, Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell's one of them guys. Matt Campbell, when Matt Campbell's got uh, – when he's got his best team, he underachieves. Yeah, they're all, they're an team. overachieving team. Right, but when he had teams that were considered underdogs and that were littered with, you know, three stars and two stars and no star players, but when he had his best team with Brock Purdy and with Brees Hall and Charlie Kolar, all these NFL players, and everybody predicted, oh, so he's going to be in the college football playoff this year. Yeah. He had a terrible year. He's a more with less guy, but when you give him more, sometimes he does less with more. Yeah, it's a crazy time. We'll come back. When we do, Rod will have his second rant of the morning. Uh, Good stuff coming, I promise you. Also, before the end of the hour round of Who Said That on this uh, very busy, historic Thursday on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rodby. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, lots to talk today about the GOATs um, that are either stepping down, retiring like Nick Saban, parting ways with their team uh, like Belichick and Pete Carroll at the NFL level. But either way, a lot of talk about uh, their legacies. And I want to talk about a part of their legacy. Really, one of the most important parts of all of their legacies was the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the lowest point for uh, them as coaches, right? A low point for all of them, which really helped transform them uh, as coaches and really kind of turned them into the goats that we are celebrating today uh, showing you that failure although <laughs> um, it is tough to deal with and disappointing it is not fatal it is not final and uh, you can start with all of them right all of them Bill Belichick uh, Bill Belichick was with the Cleveland Browns in 1994 and 95 um, that was you know one of the um, that was one of the low points for Bill Belichick. A lot of people thought Bill Belichick was just considered a below-average coach at that point, that 
He was mediocre. He was 36 and 44 in his time with the Cleveland Browns. Um, but you could see uh, during that time that there was uh, some strengths, right, to his uh, his coaching skill set. You can tell that he, he was able to identify talent really well of coaches, right? He had Kirk Ferentz on that staff. He had Nick Saban was on that staff. Eric Mangini was on that staff. He had, I believe, six future head coaches, uh, beside, aside from himself, six future head coaches on that staff in Cleveland. So he had a lot of really good time. They actually won 11 games and won a playoff game one year. Uh, but he ulti- ultimately underachieved, and that was considered a failure, a disappointment for uh, Bill Belichick. And later on, he had to reinvent his coaching style based on those failures with the Cleveland Browns. And I think he did. I think mostly what he learned was uh, really about uh, the draft and about personnel. And that's where he shines mostly in terms of the coach, the hires that he's made. He actually hired Ozzie Newsom. Ozzie Newsom was one of his personnel guys when he was the Cleveland Browns. Ends up staying with the Browns. They turned to the Ravens, and Ozzie Newsom helped build and construct that Ravens team later. Um, but a lot of what Bill Belichick learned about the Patriot way were from mistakes that he had learned when his, with his time with the Browns. And ultimately from the – the, the dysfunction of the Browns, him being part of it, I think he learned what not to do, and he learned about what was acceptable, what were the proper methods after the failures that he was a part of and the failures that he had um, with the Browns. And he, he he's open about some of that, too, if you go look at some of the interviews that Bill Belichick has done throughout the years and some of his early struggles. Uh, Pete Carroll also had early struggles. Pete Carroll's first four years as a head coach, he was 33 and 31. Barely above 500. He had been with the Jets for one year. That didn't work out. With the Patriots for two uh, years, really a few years. That I think three years for the Patriots. That didn't work out. He was just and he was seen as a a young head coach who really didn't really he didn't have uh, the, uh, the the secret ingredient, if you will, right? Because he and even Pete Carroll talks about this. It's a great quote because Steve Kerr went to study coaching and leadership with Pete Carroll. Um, and, and the quote was from Steve Kerr. Basically, I went there to just be on the sidelines, and they, they end up bonding about coaching. And here's what uh, Steve Kerr had to say about what Pete Carroll taught him about coaching. And here's the quote. He says, uh, you, he said he called me into his office. Probably on the third day he was there with the Seattle Seahawks. This is after they had won a Super Bowl and everything. We sat down, and he goes, how are you going to coach your team, Steve? And Steve Kerr said, uh, like what offense I'm going to run? And, and Pete Carroll goes, no, none of that stuff. That stuff doesn't matter. I'm like, geez, I just spent like two years trying to design my offense, and Pete Carroll told me none of that matters. Everything that the players feel when they walk into the gym or onto the field every day that come into your facility, it has to be real. And the values that are important as you coach have to come to life on the field and in the facility. That's how culture is defined. This is what Pete Carroll's telling, to Steve, telling Steve, a young Steve Kerr <laughs> about how to build a championship culture with the Golden State Warriors. And Pete Carroll is he's very open about saying his struggles early on as a coach were because he did not value the um, like the immeasurables. He didn't he didn't value uh, and cultivate the core values enough. Like he talks about joy and compassion. <laughs> and love and and guys being close and wanting to play together. These are things that Pete Carroll says were the secret ingredients <laughs> to the Seattle Seahawks becoming a champion. And he admitted, and even even to his time at USC, 
in cultivating an environment where people wanted to go to work, where coaches wanted to uh, come and, you know, and, and coach, and whether they were uh, coaching players there at the time or they were recruiting other coaches to come in to replace coaches that had left, that he wanted an environment that fostered happiness and joy. These are things that Pete Carroll talks about openly. And he said he learned that after his first four seasons in the league because he didn't think that was important. And he said, I have to emphasize it and overemphasize it, which is why you'll see him out there with false enthusiasm a lot of the times, faking it like he's just running up. He's almost like a, a, young, like a young high school coach out there at 70-something years old where he's playing and throwing the football before practice, playing with the guys, cracking jokes. He's known as a, a notorious practical joker because he wants to keep it light. He said, I got to keep it light. Anytime that there is a, a doom and gloom, a kind of negative attitude, he wants to keep it positive. And he talks about these being the biggest difference makers in him winning football games. And he didn't know that. He thought it was all X's and O's when he was in the league at first. He thought, if I have the best X and O's with the best players, I'll win games. And he learned that wasn't true. You can have the best players with the best scheme. doesn't always win if the players aren't happy, if they don't want to play together, if they don't play for one another. If they're not enjoying that experience, these are all things that Pete Carroll talked about learning from his failures. And even and Nick Saban is in the same boat, right? Nick Saban went to the NFL, failed miserably with the Miami Dolphins. He openly talks about it. Yeah, I guess he couldn't figure it out. And what he missed out on, I think he figured it out when he went to college, was he was trying too much. Coming from, coming from a Bill Belichick, I think, uh, coaching regime at 1.2 because he coached all them with the Browns, he was being too hard in the NFL. He wanted to uh, he, he wanted to project a very kind of hardcore exterior uh, that he was all business and that he didn't want to get too sentimental or too emotional with the players. Didn't want to have an emotional connection. He wanted to be about being a business. He didn't want to get too close to the players because I got to cut the players. All right, I don't want to have that connection. I don't want emotion affecting my decisions. And he had a situation there where a player was actually having an epileptic episode. He was having a seizure on the floor of the facility. And Nick Saban walked into the room with the rest of the players, trainers. They're freaking out. Guys crying. They don't know what's going on. Have you ever been around somebody having a seizure? It's really traumatic. And Nick Saban walked past that group, walked through that group, and went upstairs and did not try to console the player, did not check in on the player, nothing. Showed no compassion, no empathy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And it was at that point where the players started to turn on Nick Saban because... This guy doesn't care about us. <laughs> Why the hell should I care about him? This guy's cold-blooded, man. And Nick Saban later said the reason he did it was because he didn't want to show weakness. He didn't want to show vulnerability in front of the players. He said, because that was emotional. He was traumatized. He said, I didn't want to sit there and be crying in front of my players. And later on, he learned, you got to show that vulnerability. You're part of it. You're part of them. They're family. Yeah. You can't walk past one of your own who's suffering <laughs> and not show compassion for him and think that's going to play well in the locker room. He learned later on that was a mistake, miscalculation, and now he's a better coach from it. Evolution, growth, transformation. These are things that can only happen from failed experiences, failure, disappointment that become learning experiences for you. And when you take advantage of those learning experiences and you do grow from them, you can become the GOAT.
You can. Uh, those are the guys that rise to the top in all industry, by the yeah. way, because there are a lot of folks who get stuck in their ways and never really evolve. They just keep doing it their way and blame others that uh, you're just not getting it, right? It says, I'm doing it right. You're just not understanding. Yeah. And to your point about uh, about uh, Saban, I mean, that's the old uh, coaching philosophy or teaching philosophy of any kind. Uh, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Period. Exactly. Period. Oh, man. And that is that is a fact. And that yeah. you look that that'll go all the way to your kids. You know, your kids. You know, you, they look for you for everything, but they first and foremost want to know that you care about them. Uh, right. Yep. I mean, it, it doesn't matter how smart you are, how much you know. This was kind of Tom Herman's problem too. Here at Texas, and if Tom Herman can evolve from that, yep. and he'll be a better coach, and he can you know rise back to the top. Um, I remember because the person I compared Tom Herman to is John Makovic. I mean, oh, yeah. I remember when John Makovic got let go of Texas because he couldn't get along with anybody and he was always had to be the smartest guy. He remember, remember when he got let go, he stayed at Texas and helped design the golf course, mm-hmm. the UT club. Yeah. That was his just to pay out his contract. You know, and they brought wow. in Mac Brown. <laughs> but then he came back and he went to Arizona. But guess what? He was the same ass as he was here. So it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> like through all of that, he didn't learn anything. Uh, yeah, exactly. He never evolved. He never grew. And he, he could have been a great coach. Great coach. Great coach. No one knew more football than John McAvick. He got by, um, just ask him, by the way. But at the same exactly. time, he was an offensive genius. He was an offensive mind. He he uh, helped put Texas back, you know, their, bring their offense from the, you know, the, the dark ages into the light and um, won a Big but, 12 championship. But, but I think what both all these coaches learned that it's not all about the ball and the scheme. Well, this is what Sark's been talking values, about all year, right? Yeah, the culture. There are other values that are going to help you win Culture Wednesdays where we games. share and be vulnerable yeah. and uh, yeah, the, share our stories and get to know one culture, another. Culture Tuesdays and Wednesdays yeah. they have like that. But that's about team. But, and like I said, Belichick learned it too. He, he learned the Patriot way. That what he learned from his mistakes and failures with the Browns were all right. The Patriot way has got to be about no one man above the team. And he, and that, he do your had, job. He had the ultimate. Yes, right. Do your job. He he had the ultimate. Uh, I, I guess assistant, right? In Tom to, Brady. In Tom Brady to help him, um, you know, uh, cultivate that kind of culture. But man, I think Pete Carroll learned it too. He's like, no, nah, man, it's actually about more than just the X's and O's and the ball. And Nick Saban, listen, Nick Saban, there were play- Zach Thomas and Dante Culpepper on the record saying they were going to fight Nick Saban. There were several times where they were going to a get into a physical altercation and confrontation with Nick Saban there as their head coach. He was that bad. Well, and this he was is what, right, that unrelatable. And we saw <laughs> this. Just, we just saw this happen with Urban Meyer, right? Urban Meyer yes, went to Jacksonville. Yes. And you know these 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 coaches who boss around young kids all the time is kind of their profession. You get to the NFL and you realize these are adults. These are grown people oh, with man. families and kids of their own. Uh, they've been a, they're they're adults. You have to treat them like adults. You can't treat them like eighteen year old kids out of high school, uh, who are moldable like that. And you can boss them around. That's that's just not the NFL. Um, now speaking of, we bring this full circle. I, I heard a great interview with Steve Kerr uh, this recently because he was talking about uh, players on that want to play, right? They, they aren't getting enough playing time on his roster that he's dealing with. And he said, I played for 15 years in the NBA, and I always wanted to play more. I always wanted to play more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I always was upset about my playing time. Uh, y'all, that's the key to this. <laughs> These are the, this is the highest level of basketball on our planet. These are the best players in the world. They all want to play. Yeah, uh, we, we, you, know, you as a person have to manage that individually, and I am the coach. That's what I have to manage of how we get the most out of each player. Uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's what you're doing. You're managing adults. You're managing people, and you're trying to drive them to, to do things that they probably don't want to do. Yeah, you're in, the in a lot of cases. You're in the, the people, people business. Which is why I'm excited yeah. about the trajectory Sark has this thing on, if he can keep it going, because he's as, he's as vulnerable as any coach I've ever been around as far as being open with us at the media, Rod. But, you know, I, I, I still remember the interview we had with, with uh, DeMont, Deontay Tucker Dorsey. 
right? Diamante Tucker Dorsey, the linebacker who was a one-year player at James Madison, but sat in our studio and told us that, yeah, I have Sark's number. I can text Sark anytime. You know, I, I was like, that's not – I said, did you have your head coach at James Madison's number? He said, no. I didn't have my coach at James Madison's phone number. Um, and, and so Sark's a little bit different like that, that anybody can contact him. He's open to those guys. And it's, at least for the, for the time we've covered Sark, it appears to be genuine. And that's what you hope as a Texas fan, that, that what you just said about Pete Carroll, which is spot on, what you said about uh, Nick Saban, this is what he's learned. This is, he's learned at the foot of both of these guys. Yeah. And he put out a real nice tweet yesterday. It was a nice picture of Saban and Carroll talking in an office, a football office somewhere, and said the, the two goats – um, wouldn't be where I'm at without those two or these two guys. Uh, so you know, the same day, his two biggest mentors uh, have uh, have parted ways, which is pretty awesome. Hey, we'll come back with a round of who said that, including an in- and you'll try to figure out who a, a college football insider is saying not so fast on Dan Lanning, maybe, Rod, to Alabama. Uh, we'll also get uh, another round of who said that, other sports audio from around the landscape. Let's hook him up with Ian Rodby. All right, there you go. Who said that, Rod? Ooh, is that Pete Thamel? That's Bruce Feldman. Bruce Feldman. That's yeah, one, one of the best. Guys. That's pretty revealing, too, right? I mean, there's a lot to like about uh, Oregon right now if you're Dan Lanning headed into the Big Ten with, you know, Dylan Gabriel coming in to replace Bo Nix and kid from USC transferring up there as well, the five-star quarterback. So, mm-hmm. And, and I, I thought that was interesting from, from Bruce Feldman that they feel like they have a chance to win the Big Ten in year one. Uh, not backing down. Why would you? Uh, with with a lot of talent returning, and you, you got your quarterback in place. Man, yeah, it'd be crazy if Dan Lanning goes to goes to Bama, brings. <laughs> what if he ends up bringing Dylan Gabriel with him? <laughs> the NCAA wouldn't stop it, would they? They wouldn't. They don't care anymore. They don't, the guy transfers. What does they? We got Jalen Milrow there. Did you? Oh, that's right. You got Milrow there. I forget about that. Yeah, that's true. Oh, does he like Milrow though? Yeah. Well. Milrow fit the offense. That's another thing too. I don't even give a damn about this. Like you, he's going to bring in his own offense. His offense does, does not look like an offense that fits Jalen Milrow, but maybe it will. Maybe they'll take it. Yeah, that becomes the question. Yeah, you have to do something one. in the immediate, but you're right about that. Alabama's kind of built to win now mm-hmm. uh, as far as that goes with Milrow and a lot of returning players, Isaiah Bond, the receiver. By the way, one piece of breaking news I just saw that the wide receiver at Ohio State, Emika Ekbuga, yeah. coming back for his senior year. Really? At Ohio State, that's yeah. It's a little surprising because he was seen as a guy that's going to be drafted in the first round. Yeah, he, yeah. well, that's benefit to Isaiah, ne- to uh, A.D. Mitchell and X-Man. Wow. that's. I'm a little surprised by that. That just came down from the Ohio State side of things. Okay. Uh, Ty, I, I sent you a bunch of clips so you can just play whichever one you want to. Who said that? It's, it's really easy to handle right now. Um, you know, we're locked in on um, Cleveland. You know, we're full speed ahead, kind of keeping our head down in the dark. That's, you know – all that stuff. I'm very grateful. You know, I'm thankful to the Lord for giving me this opportunity. I'm thankful to, to Nick and D'Amico and the Texas organization for putting me in this position. Um, but, you know, right now I'm a Houston Texan. I'm part of this organization and do everything I can to help us win Cleveland. And like everyone's energy right now uh, in this organization is devoted to how do we play one more game? How do we keep just playing one more game? You know, we really have a, a, what I believe is a special group of individuals. I know, like, offensively, I, I got there's guys in that room that I, I just can't imagine having to do this without right now, you know. Um, and to, to really, as much as we can, just find a way to get four more games out of this. That's, that's really all all of us are devoted to. Dude, that's my man Bobby Slowick right there. Who just got another <clears throat> request for an interview with the Titans. Ooh. So we got Panthers, 
And we, I, I told y'all yesterday that was coming. I Titans said, are the one to watch. I told y'all yesterday that was coming because Rand Carthen and Bobby Slowick go back to their time together with the 49ers. And if Rand Carthen's hiring a coach, he wants the coach to run the Shanahan, Shanahan system. And what does Dan Orlovsky calls it, the, the, the Mech Shanahan franchise of coaches? <laughs> Everybody wants one of those Shanahan uh, disciples. And Bobby Slowick, even though one year what he's done with Brock Purdy before that, and then now what he's doing with C.J. Stroud as the first-time play caller, uh, first-time play caller in his career, got turning a lot of hits. That would be similar to Shane Steichen, who had yep. Justin Herbert and then had Jalen Hurts and had his best year. Yep. And the regression this year with Hurts is interesting. So Bobby Slowick, and yeah, that would be in the same division, and they would tap him to come in and help develop Will Levis as the uh, future there in that division, which would be very interesting. Hearing something that I don't like, too, in regards to the Alabama a vacancy, D'Amico Ryan's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hearing that D'Amico Ryan's could be an option could be an option. Which makes sense, but I don't think D'Amico's gonna go back to I don't think he's going to college. I don't think he's going to college. He's an NFL guy. Going to college. Now when your alma mater calls, there is a certain uh, allure there, of course. But I think that he's an NFL guy. Man, coaching in college, we gotta add recruiting to everything you gotta do. Transfer portal, NIL. The NFL is just simpler. It seems Coach like ball. it, right? It's all Coach ball. ball. It's all ball, It's man. even more simpler, simple when you have C.J. Stroud as a rookie and you know he's going to be your quarterback. Then you can move forward with him. <laughs> you got to find You make the playoffs and win a division in your first year. That's, Why your, would that's you, your dream job. It's your dream. Why would you leave that? It. Yeah, I don't know. If, you, if he didn't have such a great first year, I, I think he'd be interested. But he's kind of like Sark to me. This is a dream job for him, and he's ahead of schedule, and he's got a, he's got a quarterback. Yeah. Quarterback's not an issue for him. Usually that's one of the reasons you, you know, lack success. That's the reason why you underachieve. Man, you got a quarterback. That's half the battle. All right, Rod, who said this? This is uh, from a different sport uh, completely, uh, but who said this last night? What Rory did, she made it just look too easy. I think I've said that a million times. Just me trying to – not really just I feel her shoes because nobody can feel Rory's shoes on the court right now. Just me trying to take control of this vet team. A uh, big transition. Every day I'm learning. That's who she is. That's why she's great. All right, there you go. That's who said why that, she's be. Mm, I think I recognize Vic Schaefer's voice. Yes. But I don't recognize the young lady's voice. That was Madison Booker. Okay. That was Madison Booker, which is a, becoming the story of the Texas uh, women's basketball team this this week or last two weeks since Rory Harmon got hurt. She, of course, Rory was the engine and the heartbeat of that team. Uh, Madison Booker, the freshman, has taken control. She moved her. I told you, she's 6'1", Rod, but she's running the point. Oh, yeah. And uh, and she's doing a hell of a job of it. She was the Big 12 uh, Player of the Week last week, and last night she had another big game as they won and beat TCU at the Moody Center. Uh, so Madison Booker, named to watch. True freshman out of Ridgeland, Mississippi. Nice. Stepping up. Yeah, stepping up and leading that team. And that was her mindset. She's like, yeah, I can't feel. Because they got a lot of good players, but you got to have your quarterback, right? You have your, have your point guard. Mm-hmm. And she's coming from the wing to kind of run the show as a bigger point guard. That's But she, they also are playing some wicked defense for Vic Schaefer, which you know is going to be their M.O. Oh, yeah. Yeah, effort. You know, that's the, the M.O. of a Vic Schaefer coach team. All right, Max brother. Effort. Good stuff right there. We'll come back. We'll hear more of this. And uh, yeah, don't tell me D'Amico's leaving. We got we finally got our coach in Houston. Uh, Cowboys fans are wondering if Mike McCarthy underachieves with his Cowboys here in January. Would Jerry Jones be interested in Bill Belichick? That conversation is apparently being had. I well, we'll talk about it. It's not out of the realm. Not out of the realm. Jerry's 80 years old. He wants to win a Super Bowl. If they don't, uh, I would say this: if, my, if they were to lose to the Packers on Sunday, be careful, Mike McCarthy. Oh, you lose the Packers, he's gone. Gone. Yeah, he's done. He's done. Totally agree with that. Yeah, and Jerry said as much on Tuesday on his interview on the fan. We'll see you game by game. We'll see how these games go. We'll see how these games go.